Hey guys, this is Gary, and welcome to another episode of Pod Wars. On Pod Wars, we'd like to dissect Star Wars, Marvel, and our favorite little nuggets of geeky media. I'm here today with my favorite scruffy-looking nerf herder, Justice. What's up, guys? And we have an- another guest on today. We have Brian Bittner from Beyond the Screenplay. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So today, we're going to be talking a little bit of Solo, a Star Wars story. But before we do that, Brian, can you kind of let the people know a little bit about Beyond the Screenplay and kind of that podcast and what you guys offer? Yeah, you bet. Um, It started with uh, lessons from the screenplay. So our our friend Michael Tucker uh, started this YouTube channel. That's uh, video essays about screenwriting in movies and television, sort of kind of little 10-minute clips that you could show in a a screenwriting class, filmmaking class, that kind of thing. And uh, he brought a few of us on to sort of become a team and start writing the videos. And then we decided to actually launch a podcast where we get to be a little more casual and hopefully still be giving good lessons and advice for people who are trying to, to make movies, but also just be something that's fun and casual for people who just want to hang out and hear us talk about what we think about a movie. Um, and we just launched Story Mode just uh, very recently, which is a second channel where we do same analytical video essays, but with video games, storytelling and video games and getting the creators, uh, writers of those games to come on and talk to us. And, um, you know, again, great lessons for people trying to make games, but also great, just fun content for people who like love a game and just want to be able to appreciate a game they love more. And I just saw, I think, on on some one of your guys' Twitter on that you're doing one on The Witcher Three soon, and that's like I love that game so much. Yeah, that's that was our launch video. So if you go to um, YouTube.com/slash/StoryMode on, uh, or just uh, search on YouTube for Story Mode Witcher Three, we talked to Pavel and Carolina, who are two of the writers of the Bloody Baron Quest, and talked about what um, what went into making that quest and why it's so memorable. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to checking that one out because I love that Bloody Baron quest. But I, I like you guys' podcast a lot because you have a good balance between informative and just chatty because you either have one end of the spectrum of, or the other a lot in podcasting where people either are just going off on the movie and not really informative or super pretentious and way too mm-hmm. factual. You guys find that nice middle ground. Good, I'm glad. Thank you. What game are you currently playing? Uh, I am actually replaying Fallout 4. Uh, I just redid my PC, um, and I only ever played it on the PS4. And I was like, I got like a new processor for my PC, and I was like, I'm going to launch up Fallout 4 and see how it looks. I'm like, oh, this looks so much better. Like, the frame rate, it's great. And then the next thing I know, I was like 100 hours into another Fallout 4 playthrough. I'm like, well, I guess I'm replaying Fallout 4 and not just launching it to see how it looks. <laughs> so you're a Fallout 4 over uh, New Vegas or 3 guy then, right? No, no, no. I'm not saying, like, don't get crazy here. I'm just saying <laughs> I enjoy Fallout 4. I really I really like Fallout 4 as just a game to run around in and, like, be in the world and stuff like that. That doesn't mean I think it's better than 3 or New Vegas, because, come on, I'm not, I'm not a... You're not insane. You know. Yeah, because New right, Vegas, not... like, I, I have a soft spot for New Vegas. Like, the fact that mm-hmm. they only a couple hours in and there's already people being crucified, it's classic Fallout-style story. Right. Yeah, New Vegas is amazing. I've never played a Fallout game before, so... It's time. Yeah. you got to jump into it, man. <laughs> I know. But, okay, let's, let's dive into a little bit of Star Wars here. So, first off, Brian, I, we'd like to know, too, because um, we're obviously coming from the super nerdy angle here, and we'd like to know kind of your experience with Star Wars, how you grew up with it, how it's affected you as just a lover of movies. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I was thinking about this because I'm a bit older than you guys. Um, I'm like the only generation who doesn't have a Star Wars because Return of the Jedi came out when I was one and The Phantom Menace came out when I was 17. So it was like for the older generation for me, they had their original trilogy. And then for the younger generation, they had prequels and Clone Wars. And then now, obviously, we have all all sorts of stuff coming out. Um that doesn't mean my generation doesn't love Star Wars. It just means that we didn't have like brand new movies coming out when we were 11 years old or, you know. Um, but uh, I, I really don't remember when or if I saw the 
original trilogy when I was a kid, but I had Return of the Jedi on VHS. So I'm sure I had seen the the first two movies at some point, but Return of the Jedi was the one that I would watch multiple times. Um, so there's a I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for that movie because it was the only one I had as a kid. But unlike a lot of my friends who grew up watching those movies, I don't think it was really until college that I actually sat down with the original trilogy and watched them and then watched them again and again and started talking to friends about them and everything. And this was as the prequels were coming out. So it was sort of like a, you could hang out and be like, Oh yeah, episode one didn't do this thing. And like how that's so not star Wars. Cause star Wars is this, you know, like actually starting to get into that, like star Wars brain. Um, that didn't really happen for me until, until more like college where a lot of people get into star Wars younger than that. So you could jump on the on the prequels train a little bit with people. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's it was like a weird thing where when I saw Phantom Menace, I just didn't, I hadn't seen, I hadn't watched the original movies that much, and I was like, this movie's fine, like it's whatever. And then I watched the original movies a few times, and I was like, okay, I get why people yeah. are have a problem. And then seeing two, and and then especially three, where I'm just like, oh, okay, like these are just like wacky, you know. I don't know, you guys are younger, maybe you guys love them, but like, uh, just sort of appreciating that it was not what people wanted from more Star Wars. And I kind of like that you got introduced to them more in college because I think the biggest critique for Star Wars is it's kind of like it's kind of like Santa in Christmas. Like you have to be introduced young for it to have an impact for a lot of people. And the fact that you're able mm-hmm. to see it first in without the nostalgic glasses and enjoy it as an adult, I think adds a lot to it. I suppose, but keep in mind, like I did watch the hell out of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so like I did I did know these characters and I did know this world. I just didn't have all three movies where I was like watching them over and over again as a kid or anything like that. But I think my VHS copy of Return of the Jedi like stopped 20 minutes before the end or something. So I don't know if I really got the full experience, but it was enough for my like 10-year-old brain to go, I like all these things and I want more of this stuff. Is Return of the Jedi your favorite uh, Star Wars movie? I mean, it's got to be Empire. Come on. Like, you'd be hard pressed to find someone my age who doesn't say Empire is a favorite, but I definitely put Return of the Jedi above higher than other people do because I have that nostalgia for it. And I do really think it's a good movie. Um, I think New Hope is, is an excellent movie, but it feels a little, it gets a little simple. Uh, after after multiple watchings where you're like, okay, it's like these these things happen where I like that Empire and Jedi are both kind of complicated and they go weird ways. The, the finale of Jedi with Vader and the Emperor and everything is just really cool. Um, so most people are like, Empire, New Hope, Jedi. I'm like, eh, Empire, Jedi, New Hope. That's, that's where I stand. I'm the same way when it comes to the original trilogy. Yeah, because uh, we, we love New Hope, but... I kind of put Return of the Jedi higher. I think it gets just crapped on way too often because people don't like Ewoks, which is asinine. Because like they're little teddy bears (laughs) who kick ass. Like, how could you not like that? Agree. But we're not here to talk Jedi. We're here to talk Solo. So, do you do you guys? Let's talk a little bit about our first time seeing Solo. I know when I was going into this, I was kind of the the salty fan after after the Last Jedi. I didn't think Solo would be that good of a movie, and I was pleasantly surprised. What was your guys' kind of mm-hmm. experience with it? Okay, um, yeah, I you know I I didn't expect much because I was like I nobody really asked for this Han Solo prequel. Like it wasn't something anybody was was like excited about really. Um, so I just kind of went in went in being like, all right, whatever. And I I honestly just had a really good time with it. And there's the the biggest criticisms I think were all of the like prequelitis that it has of like we have to explain every single thing about Han Solo in this movie like how did he get his name how did he get like why does Chewie have a nickname like we nobody needed to explain that to us <laughs> like we get it like his name's Chewbacca you call him Chewie that's it we don't need a scene of like I'm gonna have to come up with a nickname for you um so I think that annoyed me and that was like the biggest criticism but that's something that bothers you more the first time you watch the movie and then I watched it a second time uh, last year before return of um, last year before rise of Skywalker came out. And I was like, yeah, this movie's just fun. And then I watched it again, you know, this week to talk to you guys about it. And I just, I just think it's a really enjoyable standalone movie that uh, is maybe not perfect, but I just think it's uh, a lot of the new star Wars movies aren't fun. And I think that 
Star Wars and fun should go together. You can make your movie serious. You can explore complicated themes. You can take weird turns, but like it should be fun. We should have a good time when we're watching it. And I think Solo just does a great job of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. When I um, when I first go went to the theaters and was uh, you know seeing it, I thought it was such a quick turnaround from the Last Jedi. And I walking out, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I didn't really dislike it there was a couple of things that rubbed me the wrong way but when i watched it today man i like just thought about how fun it was how much i loved the characters just like i don't know like the more and more i thought about it if they had put this movie out you know after maybe the first season of the mandalorian or something like that like minus the whole pandemic going on i think there would have been such a different mm. reaction and i think fans would have actually really really enjoyed it yeah, I, I think it was Star Wars was in a weird place. We can talk about this later, but Star Wars was in a weird place when Solo came out already with like Last Jedi had just come out and that divided people. And then Solo came out five months after Last Jedi, which meant like nobody was even ready for more Star Wars. <laughs> They're just like, we're still kind of processing the last one uh, so that we, we can get into that. We talk about like, you know, the performance uh, uh at the box office and stuff, but it was just, it was sort of just a weird time for really any star Wars movie to come out, especially one that was like, we're going to prequelize a character without the actor that, you know, as the character and, you know, well, I'd like to take a step back too to kind of how you mentioned, um, it had this weird quality where it had to explain everything. I don't know about you guys, but I found it annoying that they constantly go back to the dice and I'm like, those, those, those did not matter in A New Hope. They're a random-ass prop that was there for no reason with no story element. Why are they just emphasizing it so damn much? It just kept on reminding me of The Last Jedi. Yeah, and, and I think that the issue is they were trying to find something to make you think about Han Solo as an idea, not this actor or this actor or anything. But like as you said... No, there are like the dice are there in the original trilogy. I guess it's like they're in some shot. No one cares. They're never mentioned. They're never shown. But then they clearly were trying to do this one-two punch with um, with Force Awakens and Solo and Last Jedi. They were trying to say like, oh, let's give Han this thing so that when we can we can call reference back to it later and then say oh the dice remember the dice i'm going to give you the dice and it's like yeah but this is a character who's existed for 40 years and these dice have existed for like 10 seconds like we don't care about these dice no. so i absolutely agree with you that they they tried really hard to sort of shove this icon into this character when it just has not been a part of his makeup for the 40 years we've lived with him especially since you think han solo your immediate thought is chewy and millennium falcon like nobody mm -hmm. thinks Han Solo. Oh yeah, the guy with the dice. It's just not right. something that registers for a Star Wars fan, right? I mean, he's got like a vest. You know, he's got a blaster. Like there are things that have been with him from the original trilogy that they could have figured out something to do with, but instead they were like, "Let's put some dice in one movie, so then we can call back to the dice and make people like tug at their heartstrings." And it's like you're not tugging at our heartstrings when you just introduced these these dice. <laughs> now I do have to say though, like. We're talking about how we don't like some of the callbacks or the explanations, but I did like how they introduced like how Han and Chewie got together, and that's a funny scene. Or like the when his blaster is made by Woody Harrelson, and maybe that's just because I have a soft spot for Woody Harrelson. But like w when mm -hmm. I watched it in the theaters, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, oh, cool. Like, thank you for you know that. But like again, there there are a lot of times, like especially with the dice, I'm like, what does that even mean? I had to go and ask my dad, like, did that mean anything to you? He was like, mm, no, no, not. And I, I grew up on these movies, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, like, a prequel that doesn't explain any origin would be weird, almost, because it would be like, you know, you kind of feel like you have to do a little bit of that. Um, but there's a difference between, how, like, nobody in the history of Star Wars has ever been like, why is his name Han Solo? Like, let's write a scene about this guy. Hmm, Solo. Like, this guy has never, ever had someone come up to him who didn't have a family. <laughs> like, this is for the first time ever. He's like, hmm, Solo. Um, and I think that, like, that's a lot different than, hey, these two characters met at some point. Let's show how they met. Like, that just feels like that's natural. That's kind of what you want from a prequel. You want to see how did somebody become the way they are? Um, how did two people meet? 
whatever, you don't need to see how did you get every piece of your clothing and every weapon you've ever used and every, you know, all shoved into one movie. And I feel like it starts to, it starts to demythologize the character a, a little bit where things are sometimes more exciting in your head than they are when you are shown them, you know, and prequel sometimes will, will rob a story of its, of its mysticism when it's like, Oh, we, we did this thing that one time. And then a prequel is like, let's show you that thing. And it's like, well, is it going to be better on screen than it was when it was in my head? Maybe, maybe not. Especially since there's so much extra lore. I mean, you mentioned the, how you were kind of in that generation between movies. There's so much extended universe things adding to solo. Mm-hmm. Like they, it, it kind of got in the way of those aspects, but I'd like to talk about a little bit of the fact that this is a prequel. Do you think that the fact that it's a prequel, do you think that it didn't have enough high stakes to the movie? Like, you know, obviously, every time Han's in danger, he's obviously going to live. You know Chewie's going to live. Um, Do you think there's still enough adventure and high stakes to make it worth kind of feeling excited while watching the movie? Yeah, I mean, I think... There's there's two different problems here. One of which is the prequel problem, which is when Chewie's on the train and his head's out the window, and there's the cliff coming. Your logical brain is not worried that he's going to die because you know he's in later movies. <laughs> like it's fine. But also, that's true of any time you watch a movie for the second time. You know, if a character's in danger, you know you've already seen the movie. You know what's going to happen. So to a certain extent, that's a problem with prequels. Like we're not going to worry. You know, I mean, like, a bigger problem would be something if, like, the characters think, like Rise of Skywalker, the characters think Chewie is dead for for 20 minutes or something like that. You can do that in a sequel. If you do that in a prequel, the audience is just going, well, we know he's not, so what do we care? That's a little different than, like, a 10-second, oh, my God, there's a cliff. Oh, we got him. Good. We're fine. Um, But then I think the problem with stakes in this movie is just a separate problem, which has nothing to do with it being a prequel. It's just the movie is fun, but it's almost so light and fluffy that you never really feel like the characters are in real danger or that there's a there's any real conflict. It's just sort of like we're going here and we're doing this and we're getting away from these guys. And that makes for a really fun watch. But I think that has less to do with it being a prequel and more to do with the fact that maybe this is from lord and miller's original direction of the movie before ron howard took over or whatever but it just feels a little like we're not we're not actually worried about the characters we're more just kind of having along for like this amusement park ride with them which i think applies for at very least han and chewy um if anything there's some level of fear or stakes when you have the like ancillary characters like you mm-hmm. you're rooting for Kira, even though you know damn well Han's not going to end up with her, which I think the movie sure. does incredibly well. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, are familiar with Casino Royale, the um, the first Daniel Craig love that Bond movie. movie, and she, she's in it, right? She's not oh. in it, no. But I I kind of was thinking about Kira as um, similar to the Vesper character from that movie, Ava Green's character, um, where. I was thinking about why does Casino Royale work as a prequel and it works as a prequel because it's not explaining how he got, how Bond gets his gadgets or how he ended up working here. It just explains who he is as a character. So it sets up this, um, you know, this relationship, he falls in love and then she turns on him and then she dies and then he is miserable at the end and he's and he spends an entire next movie quantum solace just being miserable and getting over this relationship and then so you what you're setting up is not these like very external things how did bond get this whatever uh it's how did he become who he is and i think that's what solo is also doing and that's what you know when we talk about what we want from a sequel i feel like we could do a little bit more of that character work where we're showing his relationship with Beckett, where he is learning not to trust people to the point where he actually has to kill his kind of new father figure and that kind of thing. And I think that Kira is sort of setting, setting up that kind of feeling of in a potential sequel, he and Kira, he realizes that she's working for you know the bad guys and then she 
turns bad or she dies or whatever. And then you start to see Solo become this person who's like, I don't trust anyone. And then when you get to New Hope and he's like going to leave these guys at the end of the movie and not come back, it's it makes sense because you've sort of built up this character who doesn't is like, look, I'm here for the money and then I'm gone and I, I don't need friends and I don't need any of that kind of stuff. Um, so I just sort of think of like Kira as being kind of similar to that Vesper character in Casino Royale, or at least has the potential to be in, if there was another solo movie as the character who sort of is everything that's like positive and pure and happy and then things go bad. And then now what effect does that have on our protagonist? And I think she's kind of like, in some ways, the anti-Leia. Like, she's very affectionate to Han. Mm. She's very smooth-talking and kind of nice to him, oddly enough, even though she's a little bit duplicitous as a character. Versus Leia, who's very genuine, but kind of just, like, mm-hmm. verbally derides Han almost all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm nice, men. Except for uh, Return of the Jedi, where she's out of nowhere like, hold me. And you're just like, this is right. so out of character for Leia. Sure. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. Because also, she's like a badass for like the first half of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And then she just turns into the like damsel in distress. Now, let's talk a little bit about kind of the crime crew. Justice, I know you have a, a soft spot for Woody Harrelson. What do, you, what do you guys think of Beckett and his character portrayal? Um... I thought it was really good. I like the. I just like how when he inserts himself in with some comedy, um, but he's also serious at points. I also really like the idea of setting him up as a father figure um, and seeing Han Solo uh, really wrestle with that, really, and also you know learning. But again, I maybe I'm blind to some things. I'm curious to see what you think, Brian, because I I really enjoyed his portrayal of Beckett. Yeah, no, I think I think it was a perfect choice. Um, I mean, it's weird. His name is Tobias Beckett. Like, is he from like Kansas City? Like, it's, it's just weird. Anytime in his, somebody in a Star Wars movie has just a purely like English, you know, American first and last name. Um, at least like Luke Skywalker. You're like, well, Skywalker. Nobody's last name is Skywalker, but his name's Tobias Beckett. Um, but it's also appropriate because it's Woody Harrelson. It's just a dude. And I think it's a weird, it was like a weird casting thing for me because I thought Woody Harrelson in Star Wars, that doesn't seem right. But then when you see this movie, it, it's appropriate because you need someone who's a little bit more salt of the earth, just a, just a, just a guy. Um, and, and Woody Harrelson's one of these actors who he doesn't have a lot of range. He's not a character actor who's going to play, you know, like he's going to disappear into a role, but he can kind of play anything. He can be silly and like naive like Woody on Cheers, he can be a maniacal murderer in Natural Born Killers, and he can be the comic relief. He can be like a, a really serious straight man. Um, so I think that you kind of need all that for this character who becomes the like the 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 mentor to Han Solo, the character who sort of helps make Han who he is. Is this guy who's a scoundrel but has a heart and is funny and like has a sense of humor, but can also turn on you at any point. Like, I just think it was really good casting for, for what that character needed to do. I don't know if it's about this, but like the next time I watched this, I felt like a lot of his lines were too on the nose and maybe that's just because I knew it was going to happen, but there's just a lot of times where he's like talking and I'm like, Man, they made his like lines just like way like they they were giving it away like super early. Yeah. uh, I mean, you also have to earn Han shooting him at the end. You know what I mean? Like, because if you like his character too much and you trust his character too much, then Han shooting him at the end, you're just like, what a dick, you know, but you kind of, you almost have to have Beckett give him permission, you know, like, which he does at the end when he says like, you, you know, you made the right choice or whatever his line is when, after he's shot. Um, so yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but I wonder if that was part of the thinking there was we better make sure that when Han makes this choice, the audience is going I, I get it. And not like, why would you just, why would you shoot your friend? That's crazy. And one thing I was thinking too, while watching it again uh, over this week, it's kind of breaking a Star Wars rule by hiring on big name actors. Like obviously you have Alec Guinness in the original trilogy, but overall, like especially the sequel trilogy, they try to get sort of pseudo no name actors. And then you got Solo, which has Amelia Clark at the top of her game from Game of Thrones and then Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. obviously very well known. And oddly enough, they 
do it in a way that's not distracting to the viewer, where you think of him as, as Tobias Beckett, not Woody Harrelson, and you think of her as Kira, not Amelia Clark or Daenerys. And I, I thought that was a little odd for Star Wars. Yeah, it's it's a really tricky thing. Um, I, I think the the biggest example of what you're talking about is um, Benicio del Toro in Last Jedi who I, I like as soon as Benicio del Toro's on screen I'm like it's Benicio you know and even if you're like you know younger generation who just knows like Star Wars and Marvel like it's the collector from Marvel like that's already distracting even if you don't know Benicio from like the 90s and, and early aughts with you know Snatch and all the like crazy movies he was in um, and he plays it in this very Benicio del Toro kind of way which doesn't feel correct in Star Wars and I think that like Amelia Clark is so she's so sort of like pure and positive in her performance that she can kind of fit into anything um, because she's sort of, she's not like distracting in a way where she had like some, you know, New Jersey accent or something like that. It's like, she is just there and this very like pristine person who you can just, she just can kind of go anywhere. Um, and, and with Woody Harrelson, it's like, yeah, I thought that was, weird casting until I realized what the character was supposed to be. And I thought, you know what? That actually makes perfect sense. Um, so I, I think it's really tricky. What, what I loved about Force Awakens was I knew all those actors from little parts they had done. I knew Oscar Isaac from Drive and I knew Adam Driver from Girls. But like they weren't these big name celebrities who you're like, oh, such and such is in this movie. That means they're going to play it like this. That means this. Uh, and it's a lot different when you are casting someone like a Woody Harrelson, where it's like, you guys know who Woody Harrelson is. It's like casting Jack Nicholson or something like that. Like you're not expecting them to like fit into the star Wars universe, but Beckett kind of isn't meant to be a star Wars universe character. He's meant to be this character sort of lives on the outskirts of, you know, you, you wouldn't cast Woody Harrelson as a Jedi. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, or like part of a Jedi council, like that kind of thing. That would be completely bonkers. But you cast him as this outlaw who you're not supposed to trust. It's like, Woody Harrelson. Okay, yeah, I buy it. And they also make both the characters very sympathetic that I think people can really relate to in a lot of different ways, um, which I think really fits into that movie. Yeah, definitely. Now, we're talking about characters. We got to go into the main star of the show. Um, all of the big fans were obviously really butthurt on the idea of Solo being played by someone other than Harrison Ford. What do you guys think of Alden Ehrenreich's performance? I think I pronounced his name right. Uh, mm -hmm. As Han Solo. Yeah, I mean, he just, he had an impossible task. Like, you know, I, I mentioned Jack Nicholson. You have people who they're cast because of who they are, whether it's Jack Nicholson, Woody Harrelson, even like a Tina Fey or somebody like you cast these people because you want them to be the character. Like your personality, we want to put your personality on screen, slap a name on it, but basically we just want you to be you. Um, and that's Harrison Ford to a T, you know, Han Solo versus Indiana Jones. I'm not saying Harrison Ford hasn't played some roles that were, that were, you know, not just Harrison Ford, but you put Harrison Ford in your movie because you want that character. And, and he's played three different franchise characters, at least with Jack Ryan also. And you put them on screen because you're like, I, I don't care if your name is Han Solo or Indiana Jones, you're Harrison Ford. We just want to watch you in, in our movie. Um, and then to then have another actor step into this role, it's like, what are you going to do? It, it's impossible uh, to actually do it. That being said, I think Alden Ehrenreich did a great job of capturing the the soul of the character, the, the sort of just the swagger where it's like, if you didn't look at his face and you didn't listen to his voice, you would just say, oh yeah, it's Han Solo. Like he's got the, the stance, you know, he's sort of doing like the kind of cowboy stance almost and the swagger and the overconfidence and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just, it's just impossible when you say, hey, we're going to make this Harrison Ford character. And then you show someone who's not Harrison Ford, you're just going... Uh, yeah, but that's not him. That's not Han Solo. So it takes a long time to kind of make your brain accept that it's this character. I think that, um, and I know you can speak to this too, Justice, how like a lot of us nerds were hearing about how Alden was just a god-awful actor and how he was mm. constantly messing up during the shoot and how basically Ron Howard is just a great director and the editors did a fantastic job of making him look good. I, I think that's definitely part of it. But I also think mm. Alden did a good job of playing kind of like a young and naive solo. 
So it wasn't Harrison Ford's solo, but it's a plausible way that you could rationalize solo when he's young before life kicks the hell out of him. And it made sense. Um, what do you think, Justice? So it's it's interesting. I know we already did like a two parter on Hans or the solo movie, and I can't really remember what we said. But watching it again today, I actually really enjoyed his performance. Um, I, I like you were saying, it's it's very naive, it's very young. Um, but I could definitely see the a lot of mannerisms and a lot of things that he was doing that would lead to Harrison Ford's uh, solo character. So um, yeah, I, I I grew to appreciate it as the movie went on. Yeah, the, the, the one thing, I, I totally agree, and I think that he did probably the best job he could do. The one thing that I noticed, though, is I, I wonder if like there could have, if he could have worked with a vocal coach or something to get maybe somewhat closer to doing like, because I know anytime somebody is cast as another character, like a pre-existing character, their first instinct is like, I don't want to do an impression of this other actor. But again, it's Harrison Ford, and it's like, ugh. Um, and this is a movie where Donald Glover is doing a amazing Billy D Williams impression for the entire movie. You know, he's every, every line is just, Oh my, my, well, why don't, what have we here? You know? Um, and, and then meanwhile, you have somebody who is not in any way trying to be Harrison Ford. And I'm guessing that was like a studio directorial decision of like, we don't want you to try to pretend to be this character, just be yourself. But again, it's in the same movie where you have a different actor doing a, an impression of a previous actor's performance. Um, I think of like Chris Pine in the Star Trek movies where he's still Chris Pine and he can still, he still has the full range of motion of his character, but he's absolutely putting some Shatner in there. He's absolutely making you go, Oh yeah, I, this is captain Kirk from William Shatner days. Uh, and I think it's like, you kind of have to find that like 80, 20 where you're 80% being yourself, but maybe getting that little 10 or 20% of the original actor in. Um, and I think if there's anything I would have liked from, from Alden Ehrenreich, it would have been to see a little bit more of a, of a Han Solo kind of voice or something. But again, it's such an impossible task that I'm like, bravo for even pulling this role off. So I'm assuming that you appreciated Donald Glover's, uh, um, impression and uh, role in the movie then? Absolutely. Um, but it's like, if he were the main character, would I want him to be doing a Billy D. Williams impression the whole time? I don't know. Maybe not. I would maybe want a little bit more of that 80, 20. He goes like 20, 80, you know, he's like, I'm going to be a little bit Donald Glover and all <laughs> Billy D. Williams. Um, and I think it's great for the sort of character who is only in a few scenes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like there's a difference between being a sort of comic relief side character and being the the dramatic lead. Um, so I I think that Donald Glover did a great job of what he was asked to do, but it's also he did almost like a cart like a caricature Lando. But again, he did it in a way where if Lando's in a, another movie and he plays him and he has to be more dramatic, I could see him absolutely pulling that off without having to go too far outside of his of his portrayal um so i think that that that's that's good yeah i think you, you hit the nail on the head on how it, there's a fine line between emulating the character and having good voice acting kind of like you mentioned with chris pine and the william shatner and just being a complete caricature and just a joke um right. I, I definitely think Don, donald glover did a good job of writing that line within like a few percent away from caricature to the point where it still worked um, especially because in interviews, Billy, he, he was talking with Billy D and he mentioned how Billy D just told him like act classy and that's essentially yeah. all it is. Yeah, definitely. But you could also see that, like how much he did go for that, that just smooth voice, you know, the, oh, you truly belong with us above, among the clouds. <laughs> and it's great because because <laughs> as soon as he shows up on screen, you're going, oh my God, it's Lando Calrissian. Whereas I remember the first time I saw the solo trailer and, and as soon as Alden Ehrenreich opened his mouth, I went, that's not Han Solo. Um, to the point where I'm almost like, would this be a better movie if it wasn't supposed to be Han Solo? If they were just like, here's the scoundrel getting in scrapes across the galaxy. Um, I, think that, I think the movie probably would have been received better if it was just a random character and, and even a random character who comes into contact with Lando Calrissian and like you still have Donald Glover playing Lando. Um, but it's just that weird thing of like, it's so, so hard for an audience to, to like remove, to erase Harrison Ford from their, their brains. You know, once you do, it's a fun movie, but 
it's just it's really hard to get there. And even though Harrison Ford is like, you could tell he's super half-assed in all of Force Awakens, and it's still like completely acting gold. Right. Yeah, because all you want him to do is be Harrison Ford in your movie. <laughs> exactly. Now, just for our listeners here, um, take a step back. If you if y'all have listened way back when we started the podcast, we did a two parter on Solo. We mentioned a lot more nuggets. One thing with Donald Glover and Lando that I just learned today, for a little nugget for the hardcore Star Wars fans, every time he does those little anecdotal scenes talking about the illustrious history of Lando Calrissian. All of those are stories from Legends novels. So each and every one is from a random old Legends novel. And I just nice. appreciate the hell out of that. Yeah, that's been something we're seeing a lot with like um, Amanda Lawrence. Oh, yes, a- absolutely. Like the directors are just diving into all this random collection of stuff that Disney is kind of brushed aside. And the directors are just like, no, 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 we're going to take some of that. Like there's gold there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, they're they're just like these hardcore fans who love these extended universe things, expanded universe, um, and and to just to even just give them those little nuggets, it just shows that you're listening. It shows that you're paying attention. You know. Now let's go because I wanted to give plenty of time to dive into what we want out of a solo two. Let's let's go let's go farther and towards the end. Now, Brian, I don't know what your history is with Star Wars. But obviously, Justice and I, as hardcore fans, have seen like all the cartoons, Clone Wars, and whatnot. Let's go into the big reveal of Darth Maul. So let us know if you had any knowledge of Clone Wars and what you thought of that Darth Maul reveal. Uh, I, I have seen Clone Wars like out of the corner of my eye, basically. Like I've never sat down and I, I watched the movie, but I've never sat down and like actually watched the the seasons or anything but i've seen them be on so i know sort of the general feel of them and who the characters are i've seen some of the cool darth maul stuff and all that kind of stuff um but for me as someone who is not a huge fan of the prequels as soon as you put darth maul on screen i'm just like oh you're reminding me that the prequels exist and you're reminding me that specifically phantom menace exists um and and i think it's just such a weird thing you know like speaking of mandalorian it's like they are they're doing like live action clone wars now and i think even as someone who doesn't hasn't seen the clone wars i'm just like how cool how cool that you are doing this like fan service thing that you can watch it if you've never seen star wars or you can watch it if you've only seen the movies or you can watch it if you've seen like clone wars or read some of the books you're like oh my god admiral thrawn or oh my god you know uh tano um and and if you haven't fine there's just a cool jedi on screen who's orange and like you know she's great like um but i think that as soon as you put darth maul on screen played by ray park then it's like hey remember the prequels remember the little whiny kid who said you know whoa nelly and accidentally like saved the galaxy um and and then you have instead of peter serafinowicz who did the voice in phantom menace you have is it Sam Witwer who did the voice of Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. So it's like you have the yeah. face of the guy from <laughs> Phantom Menace, but the voice of the guy from Clone Wars. It's just this it just makes such a bizarre, like who is this reveal for kind of question. So I, I have no problem with Darth Maul as a character, but it it's like you can't put him in your movie without being like, well, you're gonna remind everyone of the prequels. I mean, even something as simple as calling uh, uh, the Emperor Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker. It's like that was not a name that existed until the prequels. So as soon as you say that word, people are going, "Oh, prequels." Okay, now we're dealing with this Star Wars. I thought we were dealing with this Star Wars. So it just it just gets very muddled in a way where I'm like, I'm like, can we just get some Star Wars that took place two thousand years before the movies and has nothing to do with any of this stuff? Uh, so so again, no problem with the character, no no issues seeing him in like a potential sequel, but it's just it's just a weird thing where where you're it, it starts it starts to like muddy everything. I think I could definitely see how it'd be off putting for someone who's not a fan of the prequels. Um, I'm saying this as the exact demographic where the Darth Maul character is fit for, um, right? Of either prequel lovers or people who hate the prequels but purely think the Darth Maul fight scene is cinematic gold. 
um, which is a large amount of uh, people who they hate Phantom Menace, but they'll admit Duel of the Fates, Darth Maul lightsaber scene is just bad- badass. Um, Hell yeah, I'm I'm with you there. All right, I was gonna say I I think that um. It, like this is right when Disney starts to do a lot of fan service stuff, and um, but they didn't do it, you know, maybe the correct way that they've been doing it, like the Mandalorian. Um, when when I was watching it this morning, a couple things that I noticed was I should have figured it out that it was Maul because his legs, you can tell, like it's robotic, and I'm like, who the hell are they? Like, and then like doing the crime syndicate, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like why did I not figure that out? And then I also noticed that like his he's like really aged. And our mall looks super old, which I really, I really like actually appreciated as I was watching this. But yeah, um, I really think that this was like the, if you, this is for the fans who have seen, you know, Rebels and seen Clone Wars and they're like, we're going to just do that right for you. And mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, then good luck. Yeah. And I think that it's, it, it raises this question of like, who is, who is this movie for? Because I was thinking, like okay we're making a han solo prequel movie and it's like great but the older generation han solo is harrison ford to them so if harrison ford's not in your movie then we're not interested and the younger generation doesn't care about han solo because you know if you grew up with the prequels or clone wars or even the new movies han solo is like the old man or the guy from those old movies that your parents watched or whatever and i'm not don't get me wrong i'm not saying there aren't like younger people who don't love like the original trilogy and stuff but it's sort of this weird thing where it's like, we're going to take a character that you love, but not the actor that you love. And then we're going to make him young, which the older people don't want, but the younger people don't care about the character anyway. (laughs) So it's like this weird, who is this movie for kind of thing. But then if you're like, well, if you like Han Solo, then you must like the original trilogy. So let's show you this Han Solo movie. But then we're going to put this prequel Clone Wars character in there. So that, so again, it's, it's why it gets muddied. Cause it's sort of like, it's almost like pick your audience. Like if they said, we're making a live action Clone Wars movie. We're getting all we're getting everybody in there. We're recasting Obi-Wan and Anakin and you know Darth Maul and Ahsoka Tano, whatever. I'm like, cool. I don't know if it's for me, but like I, that's awesome that you're doing it. But a lot of Star Wars tries to be like, let's get everybody involved by like plucking this character from here and plucking this character from here. And it's like they're trying to make it for everyone, and sometimes it ends up being that they make it for no one because no one except for like the most diehard Star Wars fan, it has like has access to all of these characters from across these four decades, five decades of, of this franchise. And if you are one of those people, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Which is what I think has led to the odd thing that if there's any movie in Star Wars that has a kind of quote unquote cult following, it's definitely Solo. Like if I was going to mm. give a thing that it equates to, it's kind of like, how there's a huge cult, uh, cult following for the Evil Dead. Because the Evil Dead isn't sure. quite slasher, isn't quite supernatural, isn't quite good special effects, isn't quite a zombie movie, but it has this just rabid cult following. And that's kind of what Solo has developed. Of these people that, oddly enough, it just happened to touch them in a way where they're like, this is my favorite film ever. And it's interesting how that developed. That's awesome to hear because I just feel like anyone I've ever talked to is like not happy about this movie. So it's like, but like I know a couple people are like, it's really fun. Like, what's what 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 do you have against this movie? Uh, so it's cool to hear that it has a cult following because I think it deserves more than just the sort of people who saw it or didn't see it and were just like meh, and then never are gonna think about it again. Well, like Justice, you can speak to this too. Is like because we're always on Star Wars Twitter, which is usually just like a cesspool of crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a big old movement for make Solo Two happen that's gone like wildfire. You've seen that too, Justice, right? Oh yeah, people are constantly using the hashtag like make Solo Two happen. Um, I see it all the time. I've seen it like in chats, you know, or listening to different podcasts. People always like are talking about you know they want to see the continuation of the story because there is a extremely huge, you know, cliffhanger that they, I feel like need to address, but let's, let's dive into it. Okay. Solo two, we have that cliffhanger. Like justice said, what would you guys envision or maybe want from a solo two? Um, yeah, I think like one thing that I, back when in like 2009 or something, when it was like, we're gonna, there's going to be Star Wars TV shows. There's this whole thing of like George Lucas had written 40 hours of scripts and all this stuff. I was like, Star Wars live action TV show sounds awesome. And the thing I always pictured 
was some like dirty city Star Wars, like Narshada, Coruscant. Um, you know, you always you get them in like video games and and probably in some of the animated stuff, but you don't really get them in the live action. Um, and I thought like the the best analogy would be um, like Gotham, the streets of Gotham City just like in Batman Begins or like the show Gotham where it's just crime lords, but then there's also superheroes like that, but with Star Wars characters and bounty hunters and crime lords, that just sounds awesome. Um, and then we finally got live action Star Wars and it's a space Western. And I love the Mandalorian, but it's like, so it's like, let's take the Tatooine version of Star Wars and make that a TV show instead of the, like, let's take the Narshada Coruscant version and make that, which I think is the right choice for like your first ever one. But I'm hoping to hear more, uh, to see more of like the, the kind of like the dirty streets, the like city planets, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that a solo two could absolutely be, what that is, you know, you've got Han saying like, there's, there's this gangster on Tatooine. I want to go talk to him. So you could get like into the hut syndicate and all this like fun crime bounty hunter city kind of stuff. And I think that that could just be a really fun and you have Darth Maul as like the, the crime boss, you know, so you have him as the sort of overlord, but then you have all the other people in between, you know, your, your, bounty hunters you get your bosk and you get whoever um and then on top of that in terms of the character i do think like like i mentioned seeing seeing han find out like i really hope that kira is not just like a bad guy because then like what's the entire point of her character if it's just like hey she's bad you know she's she's like clearly guilty at the end of the movie she clearly is like yes i'm working with this bad guy but i wish i was like running away with han right now so I'm hoping that it's sort of, it's why I thought of Casino Royale, that sort of like, I did a thing I shouldn't do, but like, I do honestly love you and like, we'll see where that goes. But basically using some of that to develop Han as this sort of, you know, this kind of darker character, giving him this, this feeling of like, we brought him to his, to like a really low point where then when you meet him in, in um, New Hope, you get why he is like, he's still cocky he's still han but he's also like not about to trust anybody he's not about to do anybody any favors which i think like speaking back to your idea of that darker coruscant underbelly it's something that they were kind of teasing for the fans like us hardcore fans thinking back to um star wars 1313 which was going to be a video game that was going to be released in coruscant underbelly with george lucas doing a show in live action um and i think that kind of tease is still in our hearts that we want to be fulfilled eventually and the mandalorian has given us a little bit of that but more in that western way which is great but not quite what we want um i'd add in too with the expansion of mall story like just the idea of expanding the crime syndicates i think would be incredible and how even in clone wars his idea of basically doing palpatine's plan but in the black market versus the government and how he'd carried that out even lucas has come out recently on how he wanted the sequel trilogy to be maul as a main villain and heck we could get that out of a han solo kind of trilogy with maul yeah i I mean i definitely feel like the movie is the movie really makes me want there to be another one you know i remember when i saw terminator 3 i was like i don't know why there's a terminator 3 and then as soon as it was over i thought well now i need to see four because it sets up this like now the world's ending now the robots are rising and i was like well okay crap then i need to see this next movie and i think solo does a good job of that where it's like i didn't need to see a han solo movie and then once you watch it you're like well now i need to see another han solo movie Exactly, and you're and you're like, man, I would love to see a live action Dathomir and like see Maul's planet and like what's going on right there. And like, yeah, we get a lot of that, in, you know, the TV shows, but like to see it live action would be just, I think, really cool, brought to life. And this gets us to the sad part that we have to talk about: how basically they were planning on doing theoretically a trilogy for Han Solo, but the box office didn't let that happen. Uh, so I mean. We mentioned this with you, Brian, on how we kind of think on TLJ affecting that. But what are your thoughts then on how just Solo didn't come to fruition? Yeah, I mean, I think that we touched on some of it, but like there's so many things to think about here. 
One of which is, you know, as we just talked about, like, who is the audience of this movie? This movie where you're like, we're going to take a character that you love because of Harrison Ford, but it's not going to be Harrison Ford. It's going to be for kind of a younger generation, but the younger generation doesn't care about the character of Han Solo. So it's like, who is the audience for this movie? Um, Then on top of that, you get this sort of, you get the just like, they decided to make five Star Wars movies in five years, which if you're Disney and you've got Marvel making you know two or three movies a year it sounds reasonable but like you have to remember the first three movies if you wanted to see them again you had to go to a theater and see them again and then by the time the prequels came around you a movie would come out and then you had to wait like a year for it to come out on dvd or vhs or whatever your your thing was then you had to wait another year to see a trailer for the next movie. And then you had to wait another year to see that movie. It was like you were constantly thirsty for, for more Star Wars and just waiting for the next movie to come out. And that's what Star Wars was for, for 30 years. And then Disney said, hey, we just bought this thing. Here's all the movies. Like, here's all the Star Wars. We're doing five. And it was, it, it was just like, oh my gosh, we, it's like too much Star Wars all at once. Not to mention the fact that Solo came out five months after after Last Jedi. So it wasn't, oh, next Christmas there'll be another Star Wars movie. It was, hey, you just got one. Here's another one. So I think that there are people who are just going to get, like the casual fans are just going to get burned out. We're like, didn't we just see Star Wars? Didn't we just go to one of these? Um, and then, and speaking of the casual fan, not everyone realizes that these are separate movies. So you just put Star Wars on. Like these are, there are people who went to Rogue One and we're waiting for Ray to show up. We're like, where's where's Finn and Poe? Like, what's where's BB-8? I don't get what's going on. You know, because they because they're not paying attention to oh, this movie is set in this time. It's before this and da da da. Mind you, why are you going to Star Wars movie? Like, do your research. But there there are these casual fans. Like, it, you know, Marvel did a good job of sort of slowly introducing the idea of this of this franchise. So if you watch the movies or most of the movies. You could you could watch Avengers having only seen like two of the movies that came out beforehand and be like, oh, okay, I didn't see this Hulk movie, but like there's a Hulk, fine. But like imagine if Marvel kicked off where the first movie was Avengers, and the second movie was like Iron Man One, so like a prequel to Avengers, and the second movie was Avengers Two, or the third movie was Avengers Two, and then it was Captain America back in the nineteen forties. And then he gets frozen and he's like, you'd be like, what is happening? What, what's going? And that's kind of what I think it felt like to casual moviegoers who were watching these Star Wars movies being like, why is the second movie not have people from the first movie? What's going on here? So I think by the time you get to Solo, you have people who are just like, I don't even, I'm only four movies in and I don't even know what's going on anymore. Um, and then on top of that, you have the backlash to Last Jedi. So people don't realize these are different movies being made by different people. Solo was already in production way before Last Jedi came out, but people are going, oh, I didn't like Last Jedi, so Star Wars is bad now, so the next Star Wars movie is probably going to be bad. I'm not going to bother. Um, and and then you have the internal issues with the movie, which was Lord and Miller were directing it, you know, the, the Lego movie, Spider-Verse guys, and then they wanted to make it a comedy, and the studio said no, fired them. Ron Howard had to come on and take this movie that was he had nothing to do with that already was being made and then had to turn it around. And of course, once you hear those stories, you're like, well, this movie is not going to turn out good at all. Like I'm not going to bother seeing it in the theater. So you j- there's just so many things that just did not invite audiences to come see this movie. <laughs> it was just all these like actual industry stories, plus like the weird timeline of everything and all. And I think like if it had come out in a different time, like if they said, we're going to do, Basically, if they said, we're going to do 2015, 2017, 2019, episodes 7, 8, 9, then after that, we're going to have some fun. Then people would be so ready for Rogue One and Solo and whatever the hell else people wanted to do. But when they just shoved everything all at once, they didn't really have a plan. They didn't know what they were doing. They just said, everyone go make some Star Wars and then bring it back to us. And it just, it just was very disorienting for the audiences, I think. I'd add a little more to that. I totally agree with all that. To add more, I think there's also a fan backlash of it's owned by Disney. Disney just wants to make money. And they're just going to shovel out a bunch of Star Wars knowing they have our ticket with the name. And so we're going to rebel against them because we don't want them to make crap. 
and they ended up making sure. something good, but a lot of fans wanted to have that rebellion of we're not going to sh- just show up because you made something Star Wars. And unfortunately, it was something good, and that's what kind of took the hit. Sure, but we are, I think that's a good argument for people who didn't go to see Force Awakens, but when people went and saw the first three movies and then didn't see Solo, those aren't the people who were like boycotting Disney because <laughs> they already went and saw the first three movies. Um, but you're absolutely right that there are, I, I think the weird thing that happens it's the same thing that happened with Game of Thrones, which is as soon as you take the original creator out of the equation, you're just making very expensive fan fiction. Like you're just deciding this is what happens to this character next. And like, even as someone who's not crazy about the prequels, I'm like, look, at least George Lucas was like, I'm not going to just try to make the same, the, the first three movies again. I want to do something different. Let's, let's do something, you know, let's tell different stories. So um, you have this like, sort of spy thriller kind of thing in episode two you have this like dark uh character arc in episode three like that's not what you had in the original star wars movies and then force awakens comes along and it's like let's just make the original star wars movies again but like with new characters and it's like okay um and i think that you what, what i'm looking forward to which the mandalorian is sort of doing is let's get star wars in a way that is let a filmmaker go and make their own version of this. Like we, as soon as you say we're making episode seven, you're saying we're making a sequel to episode four, five, six. We have to like honor the prequels, but we're also introducing these new characters, but we didn't make a plan for this new trilogy. So now Ryan Johnson comes along and he has to make a sequel to a movie that was a sequel to two other trilogies but also we don't want it to be too familiar. So do your own thing on it. Like you're doomed to fail when that happens. And, and same with solo, you're taking a beloved character and having to like make decisions about him that aren't being made by the person who created this character. Um, and I think like to your point, I'm just looking forward to when we just have brand new star Wars characters and we can just hang out with them. You know, I, I'm more interested in seeing the adventures of, of Finn and Poe like running around the galaxy, getting into scrapes because the, the creators of Finn and Poe still are there and they can like decide what happens to them next, as opposed to taking some characters and some story that was already created by someone else. And then just kind of doing your own version of whatever comes next, because no matter what, that's sort of disingenuous. That's sort of just, it's just fan fiction. It's just, you're, you're, you're sort of shoving your own thoughts onto this existing, the existing story, you know? Which is the biggest problem Star Wars has is that it originated from a successful movie in the 70s. So they're trying Mm -hmm. to add more lore to something that was established way before they thought this would be anything of consequence. And it's just... um, I'm I'm excited to see what's happening with both The Mandalorian and hopefully with The High Republic on just kind of saying, you know what, Skywalker Saga, it's a separate thing. It's done. People love deep down the universe and they want to live in the universe. Let's, let's explore that and see what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, th- think about, sorry, sorry, Justice, okay. um, but just real quick, think about if the Mandalorian was marketed as the Clone Wars spinoff series, then you'd be watching with your Clone Wars brain on going, well, that's not Clone Wars. This isn't, you know, that's not what I want from that, da, da, da. But it's not. It's marketed as this brand new thing that's just, it's just more Star Wars. It's this brand new character. You've never met him before. So then as soon as they start bringing in uh, Clo- um, Clone Wars characters or they bring in the Boba Fett actor from the prequel or whatever, you're like, oh, cool. Like they're also doing this other thing. How neat. But I, I think that it's like they did that by not saying, as soon as you say we're making episode seven, alarms go off in everyone's brain. They're like, well, this is what episode seven has to be. This is what I want from episode seven. But when you say this is brand new Star Wars, you kind of have the freedom to go do whatever you want. So, so the only thing I was going to say, and I completely agree with it, and I, I, uh, I like what you had to say. I hadn't actually thought about that. Um, but Star Wars is always about, you know, like being redemptive and, uh, you know, always having those kind of like stories with, you know, Darth Vader and Kylo Ren. And one of the things that I was thinking about today is we know that Bryce Dallas Howard has also you know, directed a Star Wars um, with the, you know, Mandalorian. I think it'd be really cool to have her come in and, you know, redeem Solo and make Solo 2. And that, I think that'd be really, really, like, that'd be a cool thing to have them, like, have her make that. I want that so hard right now. <laughs> that sounds amazing. 
Especially after seeing her episode with Bo-Katan and all the other Mandalorians, like, having her take up her father's work would be incredible. Yeah, that, that sounds great. <laughs> but, unfortunately, Solo didn't do well, and so far, it's just us fans screaming into the void for a Solo 2, but we always have Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni in to place our trust with the Mandalorian. But mm -hmm. so th there's still exciting stuff on the Star Wars front coming up. I haven't seen the new Mando episode for this week. I'm excited to check it out. Have you seen it yet, Brian? Uh, I haven't, but uh, as soon as we wrap up here, I'll be checking it out. Well, first I'll be watching Mank, the new David Fincher movie, because I've, it's, I've waited six years for a new David Fincher movie. As soon as we watch that, then we'll watch Mandalorian. And Justice, I know you got up at like 5 a.m. to watch Mando because that's just your deal. It was a little later than that. It was like 8 o'clock, but, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Brian, thank you so much for joining us here. If there's anywhere our, is there anywhere our listeners can go to to either know more about you, know more about Beyond the Screenplay? Uh, yeah, you can. Um, if you just follow me at, uh, on Twitter at, at Brian Bittner, B-R-I-A-N-B-I-T-N-E-R. Uh, then I'm always sharing all of our, you know, beyond the screenplay and lessons from the screenplay and story mode links and videos and podcasts and everything. Awesome. And like usual, guys, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Podwars Podcast or on Gmail at askpodwarspodcast at gmail.com. And everyone have a great week. <laughs>